Boom podcast. This is where we take a look at what's new at the movies, just like our weekly screening room blog. Now in convenient podcast form. Yes, that is absolutely right. And we thought this being the first podcast, and we are hard to believe, but we are in the half the year now. Right. 2016 is half over. We thought the great way to start would be to take a look back and give our 10 favorite, the 10 best movies so far in 2016, and definitely some good ones, and even some good ones that didn't quite crack our top 10 that we still liked. Absolutely. So one of them, which is a really fun movie that you can still see in theaters, is Finding Dory. That was just really beautiful and also a lot of fun. Another one that was so fun and underseen is Keanu from the guys of Key and Peele. So funny. Oh, my. And then, you know what? Love and Friendship. I think a lot of people might pass on this one because it seems it's a Jane Austen adaptation, but it is hilarious. Yeah, it's well so, done. so wicked and, and very, very fun. And yes. then another one, just charming as could be, is Everybody Wants Some. Richard Linklater, 1980 Baseball. It's so fun. A lot of fun. Uh, and then a couple of others we just want to point out, Neighbors 2. Yeah, that one, I think, did get some mixed reviews. I really liked it. I, I laughed. I thought it was one of the best sequels. comedy comedy, comedy sequels, sequels in years. And then another one that no doubt flew under most people's radar, but is really worth seeking out, an independent movie called Viva. Yeah, uh, set in Cuba. Very, very good. And also a couple of documentaries that have uh, scored well. Uh, Michael Moore's latest, Where to Invade Next, and also Wiener. The uh, documentary yeah, on Anthony absolutely, Weiner, both absolutely. worth checking out. So those are just under our top 10. Uh, if you come across them, definitely worth seeing. But we want to jump into the 10 best so far. Now, how many of these will be standing at the end of the year on the top 10 list? That's going to be tough because, you know, as the year gets farther in, the really big Oscar hopefuls. Right. They, they roll out Oscar contenders toward the end of the fall. But, and uh, and so that's going to they're likely to bump a lot of these off. Right. But for right now, these are the top 10. And we're going to start with one that uh, I think this one is a little underseen as well. And it's Agreed. too bad. At number 10, it is The Nice Guys. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter, Amelia, is involved. Please, find her. You seen this girl? Who's in it for me? Oh, we can do this the easy way. No! We're currently doing it the easy way. This is a high-profile case. Made the newspapers. Why do you think everyone involved with this case was dying? This is not you. You're not a murderer. I just killed three people. I know what I'm saying deep down. 1970s in Southern California and a very low rent private investigator uh, teams up that he doesn't really want to with kind of a muscle for hire. And they stumble into what they think is a, a pretty low rent also kind of a mystery. And it turns into a just giant, huge conspiracy of a global level that they could never possibly have believed. And um, and it is so funny. And Ryan Gosling is utterly hilarious. He's great. He is so funny in this movie. And, and you know, I mean, the, the mystery is 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 interesting, uh, a little bit subversive. It's always very funny. And I don't know if you remember the trailers for this. There were like 19 different trailers for this movie. Every single one of them, a laugh riot. Yeah, this one had me hooked as soon as I started seeing these trailers. I, I thought, this is going to be a riot. And it really is funny. And you said, uh, you hit it right on the head. Ryan Gosling is fantastic. Russell Crowe is too. He is too, But the yeah. comedy timing of Ryan Gosling in this. Just, just great. So as the nice guys, uh, and of course, I love everything about the 70s. And uh, <laughs> it was set in the 70s. The music is great. Oh, the, yeah. The chemistry, the timing, it, the pacing well, it moves, uh, and very clever. And that is our 
10, number 10 of our top 10 of the year so far, the nice guys. Number nine was one of the one of the first really great spooky films of the year. Not exactly a sequel, but a little bit of a sequel. It's Ten Cloverfield Lane. Something's coming. Yeah, as you mentioned, not really a sequel to Cloverfield, but they kind of termed it as being in the same universe as Cloverfield. And in case you haven't seen it, we don't want to spoil too much. Let's just say that uh, a, a young woman is uh, has a car crash, and she awakes to find herself held, chained in a basement uh, by John Goodman. And even though she is there against her will, she quickly finds out that it's a bunker that John Goodman's character has made to keep himself and herself safe from what's going on outside. He says, he tells her it's some sort of alien attack or some sort of chemical warfare and they can't go outside. And there's also another young man who uh, is apparently is a friend of John Goodman's character, a little mysterious about how he came to be in the bunker. But so slowly then she gets uh, released from the chains and starts trying to piece together what is really going on and what's with the motivation of this man holding them in the bunker. And is there really uh, something bad outside? And it's, it's very well, it's kind of a slow boil and leads to a very effective uh, climax that really contrasts monsters of different sorts. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly well-paced, I think, really cleverly written. And you're, you're, you never have more information than she has. So it, it really squarely puts you in her situation. Um, and the, the surprises are awesome. The performances are outstanding. John Goodman is just magnificent, as he always is. Yeah, really good. So that's number nine, 10, Cloverfield Lane. And number eight on our list, our top 10 movies so far in 2016. I bet you've heard of this one. It's called Deadpool. I love you, Wade Wilson. We can fight this. You're right. The cancer's only my liver, lungs, prostate, and brain. All things I can live without. What if I told you we can make you better? You're a fighter. We can give you abilities most men only dream of. Make you a superhero. One thing that never survives this place is a sense of humor. Uh, we'll see about that, Posh Spice. Oh, come on. You don't leave me all alone here with less angry Rosie O'Donnell? One of the rare superhero films with an R rating, and uh, for good reason. Because I really don't think they could have done this character justice if they tried to clean it up for a PG-13. Right. And based on the box office success, there's going to be more R-rated superhero movies. Because this thing just cleaned up at the box office. And it was fun. That's the thing. I hope if they do that, they do it right. Because the reason this worked was, first of all, it was very true to the character. And second of all, because they it was hilarious. It was so funny. And, and I'm not a giant... Ryan Reynolds fan, but he nails this character. Perfect. He is hysterical. The entire cast around him, hysterical. The direction that they take, the way they open with cartoons, everything about the movie, is, they've got the tone just down, and it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, and they break what's called the, what's called the fourth wall over and over, and that's where the characters talk directly to the audience about what's going on in this movie, and it works so well. And uh, in case you don't know, this is not for kids in any way. Yes, he's a superhero, but 
no. Kids should stay far, far away from it. But for the adults, oh man, it is a ton of fun. And it is number eight on our list. It is Deadpool. Number seven is one that you probably missed and should definitely seek out. This is an, a really impressive directorial debut in independent film called Krisha. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I have tried to become a better human being. <laughs> a lot you missed. But you've got a lot of fixing to do. But I just want to be close to you and make up for lost time. You are a lever. You are heartbreak incarnate. If you think you can just pop in and pop out of people's lives like this, you are malinformed. You don't know who I am. You don't know anything about what I'm here trying to do. Look over there. Mom, there's Krisha. Your daughter. Her name is Krisha. Her name is Krisha. Yeah, this one really a stunner. It is the debut, the feature debut, for a young man named Trey Edward Schultz. And it stars his real-life aunt, uh, who has had a long career, kind of a scattershot career, in voice work and some film work. And she just delivers an incredible... Incredible. And her name is Krisha, Krisha Fairchild. And she delivers just a dr- jaw-dropping performance that I hope is going to be remembered come Oscar time. And again, uh, you probably haven't seen this, so I don't want to give away too much. But it involves uh, Krisha's character coming back to her family after some estrangement. And there's reason for that. You're not quite sure what. She comes back to uh, a Thanksgiving uh, celebration, getting back with the family. And everybody is really on eggshells about what has happened. And is it going to be okay? And it just gets so personal. And his camera uh, is so well positioned about things. It gets so intimate. You really start to feel like you're intruding on somebody's family. It's so well done. The performances are fantastic. This is a director you really, we really want to keep an eye on because if this is any indication, this guy is going to be going places. And that's all I want to say about it. But if you can seek it out and find it, it is really, really effective. And that is number seven. On our list, top 10 of 2016, it's called Krisha. And we get a lot more lighthearted for number six. I'll tell you what, Disney has had a good, good year already. And at number six on our list, thoroughly enjoyable, Zootopia. ZPD's first rabbit officer, Judy Hopps. You ready to make the world a better place? Bad news in this city gripped by fear. What can you tell us about the animals that went savage? Are we safe? This is priority one. I need you to run a plate. All right, I know a guy. You need something done, he's on it. They're all slots? We are in a really big hurry. I am on it break. What a great movie this is. You know, I mean, partway through, I'm thinking to myself, is this Pixar? It was just, it's so smart. It, the visu- It's visually stunning. I mean, it is so, so detailed. You are just overcome by the images. It's a bunny, and she wants to be a cop, and she's told repeatedly she can't be a cop, and she makes it through determination, and then she moves to the big city of Zootopia to be a cop. And once there, she finds they don't really think she can do it either, so make her a meter maid. And she teams up with a sly con artist fox, and they, uh, you know, they uncover a big giant natural nat- national conspiracy and uh, and prove their mettle. The movie is incredibly smart, and the voice casting could not be better. Yeah, Jennifer Goodwin is uh, the bunny, Hops, and Jason Bateman, who I just love in all things. I know you do, too. Mm. He plays the fox, and he is great, and, and it really makes some smart 
surprisingly sharp social commentary. Yes. Uh, really sh- as sharp as I think Disney has done in years. Perhaps ever. Perhaps ever. And it's just so relevant. And of course, you've probably, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen the clip of the scene in the DMV. And whoever <laughs> decided to make the people that work in the DMV as make them sloths, genius. Genius. It is so funny uh, <laughs> because it's so relatable. Uh, and just one of the many, many things that make this movie so, so enjoyable. And it is Zootopia, number six on our list. Coming in at number five, the first horror film on the list. Uh, my favorite genre. And uh, just a really tense and incredibly well put together film called Green Room. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington, D.C. You guys are hard to find. Why no social media presence? The music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. Sorry guys, gotta clear out. Follow me. And then it's over. I told you to follow. Stop! Go! 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 You can't keep us here and you gotta let us go. We're not keeping you, you're just staying. Do. What are they doing? They're coming. Yeah, this one so bittersweet with the tragic loss in the last couple of weeks of Anton Yelkin, just 27 years old. You might know him better from the Star Trek movies, but he's had many roles, a real talent, and just a tragic accident uh, that took his life here in the last couple of weeks. But he is one of the stars of this movie. He is in a punk band, a punk rock band. They need a paying gig in the worst way. So they take one that turns out to be in this really seedy, skinhead neo-Nazi private club and they just want to play the gig and get paid and get out but then Anton Yelkin's character witnesses something that he should not witness in the club's quote-unquote green room and then they are expendable they've the band has seen some things they don't need to see and pretty soon they find out that along with one of the club goers, one of the concert goers that's played by Imogene Poots, and she's fantastic. Could in not this movie. be better. She couldn't be better. They are held against their will, and they find out that it is going to be a fight for their lives, and it's so tense and scary and bloody. I don't want to mislead you. This thing is grisly, uh, but if that's up your alley, and it's certainly up ours, it's it's effective. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's in, and the casting is perfect. You know, uh, Patrick Stewart playing definitely against type, but he's magnificent as the, you know, kind of the guy in charge. Yeah. You know, so unexpected. And, uh, yeah, really tense, really, really tense and effective film. But it, it moves quickly. Uh, it's clever. It keeps you, it keeps you moving. And, uh, and it's funny in parts. It is funny in parts. There's a real dark humor about it. In fact, the last, I think the last, last line, line of the movie. Oh, so my favorite closing line in any film this year. <laughs> it's just great. So, yeah, if you like the scary stuff, the uh, intense stuff, that is certainly one to check out. Number five is Green Room. And uh, doing a total 180. Back to, <laughs> back to Disney, back to the family. I was so pleasantly surprised in this one. I thought I was afraid they were going to mess it up, and boy, they did not. At number four, it's the Jungle Book. I can't help but notice there's this strange odor today. Man is forbidden! Run, Mowgli! The jungle is no longer safe for you. But this is my home! Only man can protect you now. Forget about your worries and your strife. What's that? That's a song about the good life. 
will stop at nothing until he has this boy. If anything happens to that kid, I'll never forgive myself. This is one where you still have a chance to see it on the big screen. It is still in theaters right now, and we highly recommend that you do because it is gorgeous. Yeah, and if you're like me that has that grew up with the original movie, the original cartoon, and have such good memories about it, and you were afraid that, oh, man, what are they going to do? No, it's the perfect combination of updating it and just enough elements of the original to make it so relevant for today. It looks, I, as, as Hope said, can't even tell you how great this looks. The animals look so realistic. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And how they uh, mix them with the young actor who plays Mowgli, who's very good. And the, the voice cast, impeccable. You've got Bill Murray oh my God. as Baloo. You've got so Scarlett great. Johansson. You've got Christopher Walken, uh, Idris Elba. So many great elements to come together. It, uh, John Favreau is the director, and he's up and down as a director, but a big up for this one. Absolutely. Uh, Can I just mention really quickly Idris Elba becoming like the go-to voice actor because he's Sheer Khan in this film couldn't be better, right? He's in Zootopia. He's in Finding Dory. He's in yeah. everything. He's got such a commanding he voice. He does. So good. So just one of the one of the many elements that make the Jungle Book um, our number four of the year so far in 2016. Here's another one at number three that might have slipped through the cracks. Kind of a small film, but definitely worth seeing. At number three, it's a movie called Midnight Special. What do you know about Alton Meyer? Give it a fits. Things would break. Cars would shut down, that kind of thing. Others have described seeing things. Did he show you things? Yes. What kinds of things? I wouldn't know where to start. We need to know where he is. You all have no clue what you're dealing with, do you? You don't have to worry about me. I'll always worry about you. I like worrying about you. That's the deal. It's okay. I know why I'm here. This is a film. It's a small movie. It's so worth checking out. I hope you find it. It opens with Michael Shannon, one of our favorite actors. And you may not know him, but you'll probably recognize him when you see him. He and uh, another man and a little boy, as the film opens, are in a motel room, a seedy motel room. And you get the feeling something bad is happening. These aren't good people. But then suddenly you think, I don't know, maybe not. And it's that kind of approach that keeps the whole movie interesting. You are given a, a, a preconceived notions, like they tap into your preconceived notions about what's happening, and then at the same time, they surprise you with where they're going to go with the film. The performances are magnificent. Michael Shannon is so great. You spend the whole time wondering, what is the deal with this little boy? Who's looking out for this little boy? The, where it goes is surprising and sort of beautiful, and, and uh, I just, I love this movie. That's another one that we don't want to give away too much. Uh, especially if you haven't seen it, and it was kind of a, kind of a small movie this year. Uh, it, it definitely packed some some twists and turns that you don't see, but so effective. That is Midnight Special at number three. Number two, one of the most original concepts of any movie, certainly this year, but in a long, long time, and really worth it, is the lobster. Good morning. Forty-four days left. Breakfast is served. If you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Did you catch rabbits? Catching a rabbit is difficult. Thank you very much. 
have you thought of what animal you'd like to be if you end up alone? Yes, a lobster. A lobster is an excellent choice. This one is really hard to describe, but you set it up this way, that it's in some sort of future community where it's definitely against the law to be single. And if you're single, you're sent to, quote, the hotel, unquote, where you have 45 days to find a new mate or you get turned into the animal of your choice. And uh, our lead character, Colin Farrell, he picks a lobster and uh, the, the clock starts ticking. Uh, but then eventually he finds there's some people on the outskirts of the hotel, uh, the loners, and they have escaped and they are leading completely different type of society where they are single by choice. And they, in fact, discourage any coupling. So it's, it's in, as you said, entirely original. And it's also very smart social commentary, as, as we talked about uh, Zootopia being. But this is a different way. And it's dark comedy in spots. Very, very funny. The uh, performances are fantastic. Not only Colin Farrell, but you've got Rachel Wise, John C. Riley, and uh, some others in there that uh, are all great. The entire ensemble is great. And it's, it makes these funny points uh, about you know, society's expectations. And then slowly it starts getting a little darker, mm. asking, slowly asking some maybe some disquieting questions about our own motives in following these rules of attraction. And uh, it's just so well-written and so directed. A direct writer-director, Yorgos Lanthimos. That's a, that's a tough name, but uh, I think we're going to hear more from him because it's entirely original, and I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, its uniqueness, its peculiarity is really part of its charm. So don't let that, you know, drive you away from it. It's, it's an odd watch, but it is in t- absolutely entertaining. Yeah, yeah, so worth it. Number two on our top 10 of 2016 so far, and that leaves room for only one, and it is The Witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. You've cursed this family. This was a polarizing film. You know, um, it, it started off in the festival circuit. It generated a ton of buzz and that almost set it up for failure because people who love independent, well-crafted films felt like it was too much of a horror movie. And people who love horror movies felt like it was too much of an art house film. We love both. So we were enormously pleased with this movie. Yeah. Writer, director, Robert Eggers. It's his feature debut. If nothing else about this movie, even if you don't like it, you have to admit it is one of the most authentic movies to come along in years. He took great pains to make it that way. It's set back in the 1620. 1620, and a family basically has come over from England with a community, but they end up kind of getting cast out, but then also maybe voluntarily leaving because of the type of Christianity they are 
determined to practice. And they, they leave it ambiguous, but that's for a good reason. So the family is out in the woods, basically by themselves, making a go of it uh, when their youngest child, the baby, goes missing thanks to a witch. And then the family starts turning on itself, and it really lays the groundwork for a lot of themes, a lot of themes at work, not only uh, fears about, about female empowerment, but also the path to radicalization. There's a lot you can read into it, and uh, it, is, it is scary in a quiet, slow, creepy mood piece that I think works wonders. I think, yeah, for people who are looking for something that is more metaphorical, um, it, is, it is a supernatural thriller, it, and honestly, so if you think about it, it's kind of like The Crucible meets The Shining. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something supernatural afoot, but at the same time, what they're saying about this, this little family who's isolated, who's very dogmatic, who's really helpless, who's put themselves in a situation, and then they turn on each other, and then, so the supernatural builds around it, and it co- so it's a great look at the, the, you know, the family turning on itself in this very religious, zealous community, and then also, uh, it, it's, a, it's, I think, an equally effective supernatural horror film. Yeah, and fantastic performances, great direction. And so beautiful. Number one on our list so far, number one of the year, The Witch. And, uh, all right, tell us what you think. You disagree? What else you want to check out? Let us know. We're on Twitter. Always love to keep the conversation going. We're at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And you can check out all of our movie reviews on our website, which is madwolf.com. All right. It's been fun. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we will see you next time in the screening room. 